0: Oh, Recorded live. Hello, everybody. Good evening. It is Monday, November the ninth, two thousand fifteen, and we're here with Coach. Um, if you're if you're on the line, please hit star six to mute out because we're getting background noise. And if you have any questions for our coach, you can hit star eight, but we're going to start off with our coach. I guess he's got some words to say or something, so what's or on something. your mind?
1: Or something.
0: Or something.
1: So last week we kind of went around the world, didn't we? We didn't really talk about any one thing. Maybe the hold harmless a little bit, but... um um this class that we're you know we're talking about putting together in the in the first of the year yeah that that there being able to help people open up with the treasury accounts and um i don't i don't know everybody's been using that secured party creditor status, and I don't know if I like that term exactly, oh. I mean, I've been working on to think of something else to call it because it does secure the status and it is private, but it's so much about us being in control of our little corporate entity and to do that and satisfy different debts, there's different things to be done. We we kind of just touched on it briefly last week about the... Um, how the birth county could still have a debt claim on the people because I hope everybody understands what block grant money is. And so the county takes that in everybody's name, and I'm not sure if they go strictly off people born in the county, in addition to the voter registration rolls as people move there. I don't really know how they cancel them out or add them in there, okay? There's got to be some way they're canceling out because we know they have to have a cemetery plot for everybody in that county, okay? That's how they get their properties, through the cemetery plot. And then, of course, I've had several discussions with people this week about, you know, the trust and the trustees and this and that. So there's so many different little titles floating around. I'm... I like to be the secured party so that we can operate in and out of the matrix. And we're the secured party creditor. Well, we're also, you know, we're a secure debtor in a manner of speaking once we do this process. So um, I don't think I've ever shown you some of the people. Well, there's a document out there and it's an exchangeability of securities. It's called a notice statement. Once you get the treasury account open, using a UCC1 properly filed and registered with the birth certificate, then you can file this instrument with the state and effectively say, here, anything that's owed against this title, certificate, however you want to look at it, go get your money. Okay? So that's that's one of the major things in this security. Now, I've looked at a whole bunch of people, and you have too, Ted, We've looked at people that are using some of the stuff I've taught for years, and other stuff that people are are doing, and I, that I know of. I'm the only one that's, and some of the people that gave it to me and taught it to me to get the birth state out of the way, because if you want to be the real holder in due course, let's say you file an 11, you go to your birth state and you file 11. It doesn't. The county's not going to have anything until something comes up. And then they're going to go, we still got a claim on that guy. Get a traffic ticket or whatever in your birth county. And it shows up. But if you've done the notice statement and it it goes to the um, correct agency at the state level and they got all different names of the vital records and vital statistics and, and every state has a different name. But then it filters back down to the county that there's no debt Owed against that entity so um, I don't know probably not too many people have heard of this that I think it's paramount for people to make sure that they're the holder in due course okay um, it's the second step in the process that, that I was using to secure somebody it's not like we're just opening an account because this remittance package every time we send a registered mail sticker with that packet, we're opening an account because all those registered mail stickers are already registered accounts. And I forget who it was one of the guys that was teaching this years ago had said that they've already they tried monetizing an RR sticker and it already been monetized because it somehow they enter them at the well they them at the treasury already, so that's why when we use one and it goes to treasury, it's an it's it's got the account thing associated with it because it opens, it accesses a thing where they've already put it in there.
0: Isn't that what courts do?
1: Well, but the courts aren't really using a registered mail sticker. They have their own private account. Every court has their own account, and some of them may have two or three accounts. I don't know. The federal courts, they probably have numerous accounts with the Treasury. Well,
0: I had it confirmed that the courts do send mail to the Treasury registered.
1: Well, yeah, I'm sure they'd send mail registered, registered, a way of opening an account. But they also, they also have their own accounts that aren't registered mail accounts. Okay. So, but that's it to me. With the the three or four of us that have got the right numbers from Treasury, we got those by doing the packet and then doing it about a year and a half later because it takes a while for that thing to work through the states and everything and get it all paid. Government don't work too quick. But I know that the, when we use those accounts in, for different things, if you use them too quick, especially with the birth certificate, if you deposit in a mortgage, I think they go through pretty quick. And we've been getting green cards back now in two, three weeks, and there was a while there they were taking six months to come back. So.
0: so two two things I want to address with you. One, I don't think we've formally announced it yet <clears throat> that we're having an ongoing Secure Party Creditor course coming up at the first of the year.
1: Uh, we haven't announced it.
0: Do you want to announce it now or not?
1: No, because okay. we will we will continue as people ask us about it after the these calls will continue to start helping them. And we haven't even arrived at how much we're going to charge everybody. But um, I know the people that are already in the system we're even working with aren't going to be charged the same as uh, new customers. That's just kind of a standard thing. Okay. So. <clears throat> okay,
0: so next question. What's the difference between status correction and secured party creditor? Do you need both or doesn't
1: one handle I everything? Think- this, no, because that status correction, as we've taught everybody, that will become a part of what we're sending to Treasury on a secured party process. And it does take them, that does take everybody out of the, the jurisdiction and tax system. Okay, but it hasn't, as far as I can see, that only takes care of the federal IRS issues and other federal agencies and even the state, like state police and local police. But it doesn't address the issue at the county level to get that debt paid off so the county doesn't have a debt against that entity. Okay? Okay. The the, the status we've been helping the folks. That takes care of about 90% of what they want to do. Maybe even 95%. But I've been been looking at that since we started it to make sure there was nothing besides. The only other thing I can figure that doesn't take care of is, and we've got proof, that doctors or even attorneys and other professional people, when they went to college or somebody that's been in some real serious um, medical issues where they signed a lot of stuff at a hospital, administrators and judges, hospital administrators and school administrators, have been known to get in these accounts on the private side and charge off stuff against somebody's social. We know that's happened. And, and okay. some of the folks we're working with, we know that's why. And it's kind of funny, people that haven't done much as far as education or being in the military, they can do one of these remittance packages and they never hear another thing from them. Somebody that's got a college degree or a doctor, we might do it several times before we get all the debt eliminated. But that being said, the remittance packages are taken care of charged IRS debt. It doesn't get the block grant money out of the way at the county level. Okay? So
2: um,
1: I kind of had a failure event of my own today. I've been messing with instruments to see what I could get authenticated Uh and what they would not authenticate I didn't get a bad letter, but they told me not to send it in again. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. So, uh, uh, Some stuff I keep working to move this into the credit side instead of just pay debts. So I'm still pushing the envelope. But by doing it, now I know the other direction I'm going to go to keep monetizing and see what happens. Anyhow, well, okay, that being said... I've got a document that's called, it's a Notice Statement Exchangeability Securities that gets filed with the state and the county, but you have to get the Treasury account open first, which is file the one and the RR sticker. So I know people are going to have questions about this Notice Statement, but it's the real person, and you're taking control of the instrument through notice because they've never noticed us that they're doing anything with it, Okay. If they had sent me a notice that, hey, we're using your birth to take it for this, this, and this, and you've got 30 days to call us and tell us not to do that, they don't do that. So when we send the notice out, that's why everything we have to do, the notary, some, some of the notary presentments we use in the authentication process is to prove our interest in the document. <clears throat> so this notice, after filing the one in conjunction with the notice statement, that helps us secure our position and satisfy and pay off that grant money at the county level. Okay? Now, I know that's going to open us up for a bunch of questions. So (laughs) before we do anything else with this, I want to answer a lot of questions. Okay. If people got questions. or Star
0: 8 on your phone. Hit star 8 if you have any questions. Chirp, chirp. Star 8. Or if you're on the chat, you can chat something in, but I will take callers live callers over
1: the chat. Oh. You got a little hierarchy there so the people on the line or the chat, how do you work that out? Excuse me. Um,
0: When you hit star eight on your phone, it brings people up and I can call them. Otherwise, I can read, read through the chat. And right now, nobody has any questions.
3: No questions?
1: Yeah, can you believe it? I, I did a really good job or nobody's interested. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. oh, well, somebody just hit star eight. A couple of yahoos in Texas, I believe.
1: They're not yahoos. They're that yahoos. That's Bill and B. <laughs> Go
0: ahead, you guys.
4: Well, I can't... Uh, I don't really have a question, but I wanted you to explain... Just expand on that, what
1: did you call it? Notice
4: it? Notice, oh, the a, notice statement. Notice
1: statement. And it's an exchangeability of securities because even though they're in possession of it and they're using it, they're just pretending to be the owner because they've had it. Nobody's ever challenged them. Nobody's ever had said, say, this is really my certificate. So now that we everybody's getting the authentication down, we're going to use that when we send in this notice statement to say, hey, you know, I'm the holder of this instrument and I'm claiming the ownership now. And by the way, there's an instrument to go get your money from the Treasury. So that the state or the county can get paid against that. Okay. It's about a three page document.
4: Notice statement exchangeability? Yes.
1: Exchangeability of securities.
4: I'm writing it down. Exchangeability. Well,
1: once we get started helping people on this process, I'll make that document available to people. we got it. Everything's in Word so people
3: can work with it.
4: And, as, and you said that's the next step after the Treasury. Uh, right. Pack.
3: Well, the folks that
1: I've been working with on doing mortgage, opening a, a Treasury account with just some mortgage, you can still use that same account for this SPC that you don't have to. That was a mistake when when everybody started this fifteen years ago, everybody thought, Well, I just do one financing statement, that's it, right? No. Because you can do multiple finance statements depending on what you're doing. I've never encouraged people to if you're just doing a house and working with it to do an instrument, I've never encouraged I like to encourage people to do nothing but Um, open a new financing statement just for each house. So if something weird happens, then they're not all on the same financing statement or you're not trying to do instruments and make the financing statement look too jumbled up.
4: What if you just have a a UCC3 for each property? Well... It's still on the same UCC1.
1: We've done that. I've done that with people where you're doing like six or seven houses, but the stuff to do the what we're calling a secured party, I would it, it, that's all on a one. I think it gets too much stuff on the financing statement. If somebody tries to track through your financing statement, then if they got your UCC three with the financing statement, they can look at everything you've pulled up. Even though, I mean, it's public information anyhow. They're still going to be able to look it up. But
3: oh. Uh-huh.
1: It just makes it less easier and less confusing to me. It was, you know, I was doing them separate just because it was less <clears throat> That's one of those things. That if a person wanted to put it all on threes, that would be okay. But if you're doing too much stuff, then it gets confusing as to what I did on this filing. And some states, like where I'm filed in Arkansas, that transmitting utility... That's good there forever. But if you're in some of the states where they only allow five years, then you might want to put the houses on separate financing statements because they're going to be scattered over different time periods. If your financing statement's fixing to run out you know, in the fourth year of it and you're getting ready to do a mortgage, do a fresh one so you've got five years to work with it before you have to redo it. Okay? You
4: have to re- so you're saying you have to renew them after a certain amount of time?
3: Not all states. Okay. Yeah.
4: We find out for our state.
3: Yeah, because well,
1: Arkansas is still doing transmitting filings, but then the other thing, um, I know with the with all the stuff that happened with Turner, they um, that's
3: why I believe caused Washington State to go to five year filings instead of, you know, indefinite. Okay. For what? And even in Nevada, some of the older filings 10
1: years ago were a transmitting utility, and they just stayed there forever. And then they changed the law, and it's only five, good for five years. So you, still, you really got to check every state.
4: So you have to file a new UC1 be, uh, before the top term is up?
1: Probably best if you don't want it to lapse.
3: All right.
1: But see, that's like on my security agreement. <clears throat> Between me and my my entity, I have used superseding security agreements because rules have changed and property changed. I think I'm on my third set, but I always use superseding because that means that it's replacing the existing one. It superseded it. And so if I was going to do it that way, I would put some kind of language in the collateral section I haven't had to do that, like I said, because my filing is, is out there forever. But in the states where it's only five years in the collateral section, I would put something in there, and I would include the old number just for a reference. You know, even though probably don't have to, you know, just so there's some continuity there. I don't think they really look at those as far as they want to know what your the collateral, what kind of collateral you're registering on the financing statement. Okay. Because like you're talking about the threes, the one, since 2001, the financing statement is only notice. The UCC-3 is technically the lien or the assignment or the currency. Okay? That's where it all happens. You can go to your Secretary of State in whatever state you're in, and they're not going to stand behind anything that's only on a financing statement. But if it's on the addendum or UCC-3 with addendum, they're going to stand behind it because it's properly assigned. It goes back to that old thing. two points make a line. <laughs> so that notice statement to me and and we've used that in several ways, even with the different cases and stuff that um, that's the only way to get the county. You've got to use something like that to get the county out of the way because they've never noticed anybody that they've got that as a security and the state's using it as a security or the collateral for a security. So That's why that document was written that way so that we can go back in and say, hey, you guys are the previous owner. We're the new registered owner because we have a priority claim to it. And by, by us, everybody doing the... That authenticates that we're the owner of that. That's us on that certificate. We're the owner. We have a higher claim. We just have to get it registered on a, in the ECC proper and claim it, and that's what this document does. Do okay. so you
4: send it in with the UC?
1: No. No.
4: You just send it to the SOA? I've never,
1: I've never even registered that document on a, a 1 or 3. With the authentication, it would probably be a good idea to put it on a 3. That when we were filing them in cases, we never worried about it, and sending it off to the state. With we were the old school stuff was a charge back, and um, they were taking them right away. If they hadn't taken it, we wouldn't got from the treasury. Said there's no doubt we know of that you owe the United States, and until somebody does that with the birth County, you're not gonna
3: get that letter. And it takes about a year and a half. Two years to get that letter. Yeah.
4: The letter's from the state?
3: No, from the United States Treasury.
4: The letter's from the Treasury.
3: And it says there's no debt that that you owe the United States. And it gives you a little number. Yeah. No. no. Okay. Well, we'll be a,
4: we'll be looking forward to your class.
3: <clears throat> well, we're going
1: to start signing up people right along, so we don't get jammed, jammed up in um, having 15 people in a class and trying to do everything all at one time. So, mm-hmm. if people inquire about it, and we get them set up, and we'll go ahead and start on that. Okay. All, all
0: right. Thank you. Got a couple of questions here on the board. Who okay. has this document you mentioned? Doesn't the state own the birth certificate?
3: Well, actually, it's in their possession, and they have
1: collateralized it. But I believe if you talk to all the the gurus out here, they're going to say that is an assumed ownership until the real owner shows up and claims it and pays any debt against it with the state and the county. And that's what this document does. The authentication process on the birth certificate claims, that's us on the birth certificate, and it's it's the, the lady at the county and the people at the state are saying, yep, this is the right birth certificate, and that person there, we're just saying that's who it is. So, you know, because if people notice that authentication, they're not saying, oh, that's Bobby... That's Bobby that came in for the authentication. No, they're certifying the government employee that signed that and certified it is the right thing that they're saying that this is the right person on this document. So now we're showing up with another document to say, hey, you're the previous owner. This is mine, and I'm going to start using it. As of this date, you can no longer use it. And then once that, when we send that in, we were sending a payment instrument with them so that, and it was blank. So that anything was
3: owed against that b c in the block grant money they would they would take us out and get satisfied okay, all right, please ask the coach to remind
0: us
1: what the block grant money is. Block grant money is on a the counties apply to money. you'll see all kinds of these. For a long time, it was mostly in the inner city. You'd say, this project funded by block grant, da 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 through the um, Department of Urban Development or the Department of this, Commerce or whatever, it's federal funding that is given on a per capita basis on the number of people that live in that county or city, but it's also determined, and this is where it gets weird, that you go to some of the little counties in Arkansas, they're not going to get near the block grant money that somebody down in LA is going to get. And there's nothing fair about that, but the big cities and the larger entities, corporations, you know, the municipalities tend to get more of that money because, well, we have to have a bigger building, so it costs more money. Okay, so your per capita ratio may be different, you know, the where they, they assign to each individual. They, I don't think it's uniform state to state, state to county, city to city. I think they just poof it up out of thin air and go, okay, this is a blog. <laughs> but, but it does go well. It's just like the Federal Reserve. note. they, just, oh, poof, it's worth a dollar. Oh, wow, we got a dollar. Well, it might cost me two cents to make it. Right. Try and let us counterfeit something and see what happens. That's what they do. They just assign a value to it and say, okay, there's. It's it's like when the birth certificate started. They were the collateral. They were monetizing them. What I've been told in the late forties and fifties when they started the standardization and the, the bonding they were around six hundred thousand and now they're starting we've been told they're about um three million because Somebody,
0: the other person says here is the block grant money based on the state we live in or the birth state?
1: Well see that's why I said at the first of this there's been a big discussion as it go off the voter rolls. There's somehow they worded it goes off the birth people born in that county, and it goes off the voter registration on who has voted where they live in that county and sign up on the voter rolls. Okay, so um, that's that kind of information they don't really tell us. But um, and it, it may be like citizenship. You know, citizenship. If if you come up here from from Guatemala, and you give up your Guatemalan citizenship, they can't count you as a head count at the IMF in Guatemala. You're counted in the states, okay? So um, I know that if, if, say, if you lived in Missouri and you moved to New Mexico, through the voter rolls and the driver's license, that's going to catch up, and that block grant money is going to follow you. But there's still, in addition to that, there's a certain amount of block grant money given to the counties solely on people born in that county, okay? I've seen guys trying to get this information before, and I kind of quit paying attention to where it came from because we know once you satisfy that through the state and it works its way down through the county, you don't owe any debts, and you're going to get a letter from the Treasury eventually saying that you don't owe any money to the corporate United States.
0: So... Somebody wants to know, again, folks, if you have questions, hit star eight. Somebody says, uh, please go over how to properly open a
3: treasury account. Well, that's probably going to be the discussion for next week.
0: Is it, or is that part of the
1: course? That's part of the course. We're going to spread this out over the weeks because I don't want to get people confused. Then. It, one thing that if they're if they're going to be on the calls every week, they could go to the um, what the ACA site and look up their state and just kind of be familiar. If they're not familiar with the UCC one form, because um, there's a standard way to fill them out. We're always the individual unless you're doing something with a registered trust or if you got a 98 series EIN where you're a trust, then you can go into the organization. Okay that for just a regular people on the birth certificate, plain, simple birth certificate is the individual. It's not an organization. Okay? So uh, I'll have... We probably should... We may send out some samples next week on the ones so we can go through that with people. They've, they've had some recent changes in the forms. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I think <clears throat> we're either 11 or 12. Say what, 11 or 12? 2012. Oh, okay. Because a a UCC3 addendum used to just be the debtor's name and a big old blank page. And now it's got about 10 different designations on the back, depending on what you're doing with it. Okay? So, um, when they're talking to, to, to... I guess I could probably answer this real simply in regards to the remittance packages that we've been working with people on. Every time you send in a registered mail sticker to the Treasury, that opens an account. Okay. Thereafter that, if you want to do a sub-account or attach something to that account, you should use certified mail and put a letter with it that says, please deposit according to standard Treasury policy the following items to an account-bearing number, and that's your mail number from the first mailing. Now, some people will say that this, because of the social, they all end up in the same place. But the amount of stuff I got at Treasury, I bet they got 10 or 15 files on me because of different uh, different accounts and, and funding them different ways, okay? They're okay. not really funding them different ways, but different items that we're funding. You know, mortgages versus a birth certificate or doing set-off bonds or something like that because I... I opened several accounts, messing with that to see how it was going to work. So that's a real simple way to open the treasury account. Get your mail sticker out and mail something to it, because then that's big a big a, a stickler on this because I don't anything you open up. We were looking at Nevada, one of the county sites the other day at the county treasurer, and it's it's like WashU County, U.S. Dot gov. It's like, well, why does the Washoe County have a U.S. Dot .gov site? Oh, well, they all do. Well, but if you look at them, those are also... <clears throat> there's some kind of umbrella there under the treasury for those county treasurers. There's some kind of umbrella there. and Yeah, they all got the dot .gov, but there's some kind of umbrella. I haven't figured it out yet, but there's some kind of umbrella because all those county treasurers, they can deal... Even if there's a county, a state comptroller or comptroller, the county treasurer can deal directly with the state, with the um, U.S. Treasury. Okay. Yeah. Um,
0: another question: How can this same process be applied to future spawn or newborns?
1: Well, the, <clears throat> what we've always told parents is to you add your child. Onto a UCC three, they're your debtor, they're your property, and when they turn 18, you sign it over to them, and they become the secured party at that point. And then we've always told on this same process, the spouses, you know, do one of the things where you're the secured party and they're the debtor, you know, and then vice versa. So if you had to go claim your property, you could you could go get them okay i think that's one reason one of the reasons among many you know the habeas corpus isn't working like it used to they just you know they don't want to bring the body out there because people were getting real effective with this paperwork and and you know hey where's the body we own this we own this property here's our proof where is it that's why this authentication process has come up because as we've stepped up our game they've stepped up their game and going oh well You guys better have this done for Article 9 exactly, proving the security interest before we recognize it. That's why I'm saying this secured party stuff with the authentication process, our original packet had about two-thirds of the stuff that's on this bond that we're using, this affidavit we're using. This affidavit is just, you know, 15 years later. It's put together better. It's better organized. The guy that put it together did a damn good job but it needs to be used in conjunction with this other stuff to really get you all the debts out, even down to
3: the county level. Okay? More questions? Hit star 8 on your phone if you've got any questions, or type it into the chat. Type it into the chit-chat. <clears throat> I couldn't have that. I didn't do that good a job, did I? Mm-hmm.
0: State of X is a federal state or state of the United States. This is why it says state Gov. In other words, they're all under the us.gov is because they're all sub-states, sub-corporations. And they're
1: all
3: corporations. They're, right, and they're all
1: corporations underneath them. Yeah. That makes sense. So that's why we want to... We, everything we're doing is to satisfy the debt to, so we can pay off the corporation and they don't have any interest in it. And then once we get free of them, and once you, you're, even with the revocation of election, and I've told people this, you can go in and out of there. Because a lot of people got really good jobs. I'm not going to tell somebody to give up a $200,000 job just so they can be out of the tax system. Do the affidavit. Like we've been saying, file your taxes, send have them send you the bill, and then put on a thank you very much. I am voluntarily this one time satisfying this obligation and send the bond in. Now we've only had I've only got two or three people that have been doing that
3: regular, so it's still kind okay. of easy. okay. pretty. <clears throat> More? Questions, anyone? Mm. What we'll do,
1: for the people that are on the site, we need to open up a new site, and we can put that notice statement on there
3: for people to look at. um, Because we've got templates and everything.
1: Do what now? We're going to have to get it set up for that class to get us this place where they can go to and look at documents. If they're Hello? On, the, if on the group I have to get it set up for that class to get a, a paper, they can go Yeah the Hello Hi, you there? I got a bunch of people in the background, huh?
2: Uh-oh Sorry
1: Uh-oh, who is it? Uh-oh oh.
0: Okay, find here I remember. am
2: yeah.
0: Is this somebody from the Oregon coast <laughs> maybe?
2: Hold on, I don't know oh, how to turn it down he Okay,
3: here we go Did you have a oh, question? Okay,
2: hey. yes, I actually do This is Genevieve from Oregon Hello, both of you
3: Hey Hello there
1: Hello there I thought I recognized that voice. <laughs> yeah. I remember, yeah. His name. Pardon me? I could not remember the name attached to it.
2: Oh, I'm hurt.
1: <laughs> I can I remember your
2: name. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> oh, that That's real tough, Coach. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, Coach, I thought it was Grouch.
1: Grouch. Well, I, do, I do get kind of grouchy sometimes. <laughs>
2: I don't know. You seem you, you seem like you're not a very grouchy sort.
1: Just don't call me couch.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so what's your question?
2: Well, now I've forgotten it. Um so I'm going to uh, I'm going to go right, back and figure out my question and and let David ask his question, all right?
3: Uh-huh. Okay. Hey, good to hear you guys again. Hey there.
5: Um, I got kind of a predicament. I'm kind of under the gun between now and the end. What I'm trying to do is get my status, you know, established, and already gotten a certificate.
3: You're kind of cutting out there for some reason. You're losing? Is that better? Yeah, a little bit.
0: Go ahead and ask your question again.
3: Yeah, go ahead.
5: Um, what I'm trying to do is get my status changed, sent both the certificate of live birth
3: and birth certificate, uh-huh. and it's been done in my home state, and then, still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. Are,
0: are you, are you hearing me?
1: Uh, i never put- heard for some reason. Something
0: about your birth state was the last thing I heard.
1: Well, we know um, you want to get everything authenticated.
0: Well,
5: that's what I'm saying. I got both documents authenticated from Carrie's office, and I got them both back into my possession. Okay. And um, I'm not too worried about um,
3: all that stuff. Um the other half is um, I'm coming up on retirement age. Retirement age. Right, 62. I'm
5: taking it early. Okay. And I'm going to try and get my American national status down before I ever talk to him. And um, it, it's already done.
1: Why do you why do you think the American national status is important with that?
5: Because I don't want to put down that I'm a U.S. citizen.
1: Oh, well, U.S. or non, you're in the Social Security system to get benefits, and you don't want to confuse them. You just want your benefits.
5: Right, but when I put down, you know, what am I? I? I, I, I was thinking that it was proper to put down American national versus putting down U.S. citizen.
3: Well, that's just a little, it's not a box you just put down with you, right?
5: I I believe so. Um, Genevieve did hers, and I I can't remember what was on her form, whether it was a box or she had to write it in or something. She yeah. got questioned about it, and then she was trying to set him straight on that.
3: Yeah. Well, that, that's one of those questions kind of like, well, I, I keep a driver's license and I
1: keep insurance. I know I could do a bond and take care of the insurance. But I do much driving through the country and other countries. I just keep the regular license. I got licenses from two countries, and don't fight them on that. And then if I get a ticket, the way I'm set up, I just pay it with a bond, and that's done. Don't worry about it. I just pay it within 72 hours and go about my business. There have been times I've argued for a couple of years with them on them, but I never gave them any money, and I got my driver's license back. So.
5: Well, that's the other thing. My birthday comes up at the end of January, and my license expires, and I did not want to go down and redo it, and I wanted
1: I can to tell you this. Here, here's what I can tell you. After I did this process, and I changed states, and I got a license in another state, and they said, do you want your own number, or do you want your social on a driver's license? I said, I don't want my social on a driver's license, so they gave me a number. Well, the last four numbers on that driver's license are the last four numbers on the account that I opened at the Treasury. that's still my main account. Those four same numbers, this process we're talking about, I know it works because I opened an account in Mexico at Banorte. Those four numbers are in the center of that account number. My Maryland filing, when I filed and got a UCC1 in, de- in Maryland, I don't know how they did it, but the last four numbers, instead of being 4728 or eight two seven four, okay, exactly reversed. I don't know if that's just statistical probability or what, but those last four numbers in my treasury account keep coming up all over the place. I had a friend that oh. just had pass- I had a friend just had her passport renewed. You know what they do with old passports, right? They staple a hole in them. They punch a hole in them. My passport, my old my old passport. When I got it back, they gave me back my picture. And they wrote in it, this passport was replaced on such and such a date, and the person signed their name to it, red ink. So this stuff of getting the debt out of the way changes your status and allows you, don't be afraid about just put down American National or, you know, just put American. Or put, you know, I'm an Arkansas person or I'm an Oklahoma person, you know. Because once you get all this stuff done and get that birth, birth state out of the way, there's a whole bunch of stuff that changes. Now, you can mess up the status. I had a guy mess up my status, and it took me two years to get it corrected because he started sending in paperwork with my name on it. Uh, I'm not sure I got it all corrected now, but I think I did. So, you know, pick your, I tell people to pick your battles. If we can, What we're working for is to be able to take care of IRS debt and all this other government-charged debt the way it's supposed to be done and eventually get in... Where we have regular success on water bills, electric bills, and telephone bills, because we know they're double different. Okay. But, yeah,
5: I'm thinking about um, I'm probably trying to get that all lined out later in the future. Um, I haven't paid taxes in 25 years, and I haven't paid into Social Security in about 20.
1: Well, then you're in that same. Hey, we can join the same club because I'm going to get about 300 a month when I get that age. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Well, that was the other
5: thing. You were saying that you'd never paid in and was able to get so much a month, and I was kind of wondering, uh, when I go to the start, is there any certain thing you need to ask in order to get that extra that no one tells you about? Or? Um,
1: well, it's, I don't know the extra. I think I ended up working two years in like four and five. not, not But it, the two years, it was only like one quarter one year and two quarters the next year at a W-2 job. And uh, what they do, they take your highest 10 quarters that you paid in. So let's say you were working when you were 15, 16, and 17, and up until to your 30, and that then quit paying in, then that's what they're going to base your Social Security on is those years you paid in. The highest, is it 10 quarters or 40 quarters? 10 years, the highest 10 years. Forty quarters, the highest ten years. I was wrong there. Apologize for that. Not ten quarters. It's forty yeah,
3: quarters. I'm sure
5: I got enough quarters in to where I'm. I'm probably be eligible and everything. It's just I've been kind of under the radar for quite a while and well, not kind of resurfaced. You
1: know. I'm not eligible for disability because I haven't ever paid. If you want to go apply for disability, you've had to work within the last ten years or be on the tax rolls and paid in in the last yeah, ten I've years. i been on
5: tax rolls and I'm not looking for you know anything as far as being disabled.
1: I'm not either. So there again, it go, it, this all goes back to how far you want to push the envelope,
3: okay?
5: Well, for for now, I just want to get my status corrected to where um, when I go to deal with this other thing later, that's already established. And like I said, okay. I don't.
3: The other yeah, reason,
5: the whole- Oregon went to demanding your Social Security number for your driver's license, and that's another reason why I don't.
3: Yeah. And knowing and that I don't
5: need one unless I'm going to be engaged commercially, and I'm not, I but, understand my right to travel, and I'm trying to go about it in that manner.
1: Here's something that, now that you, you bring that up, this we are got several people dealing with this right now, that the bank, the state, the county says you have to give us cash or a money order. Well, I've been encouraging people to look through their state statutes because I don't think you're going to find anything in the statutes that requires us to pay with a check or cash or money order, because if you go to federal law, those are all illegal. You can't even say cash in federal court or a county court without breaking the law. Okay? So but yet the counties, if you're going to take your property tax, you've got to give us cash. Well, cash is illegal. I'm sorry. I think I need to sue you because you're not taking my promissory note that goes against my account, or my bond that goes against my treasury account. Because if if anybody finds it some, some statutes, I'd like to see them, because I've looked in a couple of states, and they're not there. They're just not there. There's no statute. It's policy. And policy is not statute. Okay? And they're doing a lot of stuff to us right now through policy that, well, this is just the way we've done it. Well, you've been giving us some Federal Reserve notes for 50 years. you got to keep doing it. Well, there's no more Federal Reserve notes around. You can't get enough. of it or worth anything. Here's my note. Take it against this account at Treasury, Because we know the number on the back of the Social Security card is an account with your name on it at the Treasury. It's being able to be in the position to be an authorized signer or to access an account. And all these county courts, hospital administrators, banks, everybody access those accounts but us. And that's really, we put it with our name on it, okay? Now
0: uh, the hey Coach. Yes? Uh, somebody's raising an issue here on the board. Just wanted to bring it to your attention. What's the
3: issue? Let's go for it.
0: <clears throat> Let me give you kind of the background here federal law only applies to the property owned by the united states the massachusetts is restricted to the same land state of no jurisdiction to prosecute someone that does not live on land owned by the united states
1: if you they're have a social they're mixing apples and oranges does it say you have to use a certain kind of money in that state
0: i don't know that's what that's I, i'm question. leading up to something here. Okay. Uh, if you have a Social Security number, you are a citizen of the United States. They only issue of Social Security numbers to federal employees, officers. You would want to be a national of the state where you are located, such as Massachusetts National. If right. you are a registered voter, you have a driver's license or a Social Security, just to name a few, you cannot change your status unless you get rid of those, or go back and resign those documents with the qualified signature, grantee, trustee, beneficiary. I've heard this before. What's your take on that?
1: Well, Let's go how far are you trying to go with your status? We know for sure that the affidavit of revocation of election is kicking people out of that part of the system. Not a taxpayer, and it's filtering down to other agencies. Now, that may not go as far as what this gentleman is saying. Now, that's why the notice statement we're talking about is taking that status to a different level to get down on to the very county level and satisfy that debt so that it's improve your status. I'm sure this is probably like an onion. There may be hundreds of layers to the onion. How far do you want to go to do what you're going to do? I mean... I've, I've been stopped 50 or 60 times, and about two times I got a ticket. The rest of the time, they just look at me and go, oh, you better go. <laughs> okay.
5: So, like, did you, did that's you show them something or something with a number on it, and then they, they ran it and then just let you go? Or
1: I'm telling you, the last four digits on my, my driver's license are the last four digits of my treasury account, and I didn't do that. The state of Arizona did that for me because I already had the private account and I wouldn't take the social. They give the option of having a social for your driver's license. So I don't want to put my social on there. Okay, well, we'll give you a number. And that's the number they gave me. I don't know how I did it. I don't know what they did to arrive at it. So I figure that's my driver's license. I've got my driver's license registered on my one. I added it on three. I registered my property. My passport has been registered. When I do the bonds, this SPC stuff we're talking about that I don't like the name. When we get down to the end, the driver's license, passports, and a bunch of stuff is deposited, treasury accepted for value, and it is ours. We can use it however we want. If they want to say we're still this or that, when it gets down to the actual crunching, by us filing that on a one and three, those are ours. We may be in the system, but it's ours, and it gives us a higher claim to it, and this authentication that we've been doing with the birth certificate helps prove we have a security interest in those documents. Okay? Okay.
5: So you're basically perfecting your security interest?
1: Yeah. It's title. We're doing titles. That's why I, I, get, I get a laugh out of a lot of the stuff on how people are doing their names. Okay, we're going to have a hyphen here, the family of, and all this other stuff. But once you properly check out of the system and get secured as far as the uniform commercial code and the contractual and security obligations, I sign my regular name. I still use Registered 2003 because that's when I first registered my name. And I'm still a registered party. So I sign that way because I feel I could be a fraud if I didn't. They need to know that that signature is registered. Okay? And even though a lot of people are just putting AR for authorized representative, I still use the circle R on the date that I was registered because that's when I was registered. Okay, and I'm still registered.
0: Um, this person also says he's quoting a law here. Citizens of the United States shall have the same rights as white citizens in every state. 14 <laughs> Stat. 27, 47 USC 1981
3: and 1982. Yeah, and what state's that? I think that sounds like, uh, federal.
1: No, I mean, what state was he quoting it, using that out of... I think that's federal. Oh. Stat, stat four,
0: 27, he says all states. 42 okay. U.S.C.,
3: 1981-1982. What is a white citizen...
1: I don't know. They never gave me a color. They said Caucasian. They didn't say white. So you know, that's like a lot of these some of those statutes, they, even the federal statutes. You know, if you look at two enabling clauses and there's different things where they run in the federal register and different things. It's like everybody knows Title twenty six the tax law, eighteenth Amendment was never ratified, but look how they use it and what's their using it against us in contract law. That's why everything that we're doing and that I'm working with the people, I'm taking it back to contract law because we're either agreeing or not agreeing. them. I and if we break all the contracts with them, what are they going to do? And that's what, that's what we're in the process of doing. Pay off all the contracts where they say we owe money and then don't submit to their jurisdiction without some kind of statement that, hey, you know, this is a voluntary or, hey, I'm, I'm paying this as a one-time voluntary payment or something like that and work in and out of the system. It doesn't do very good. If you want to have a house, it doesn't do very good to go hide in a cave. We have to understand how to deal with this system. And the, the best way I know about it, I know there's a lot of different ways, as I've seen it, a lot of good ways that aren't like what I'm talking about. But what I've taught and what I would learn was to help people satisfy the debts, get the debt out of the way, and then control that entity ourselves. So instead of let them control us.
0: Um, There's another person that has another question. Where's the statute that says one cannot use federal... Oh, I thought it was federal reserve but one cannot use federal routing numbers.
3: Since we are agents
0: in FERNs our internal currency, what are we supposed to use?
1: Well... That's why it goes back to that Bill of Exchange Act in, what, 1880-something? Okay. And promissory notes and bonds, that's why on the IRS. I forget the, where we found that, but if you Google acceptable forms of payment, it says cash, money, order, or approved bond. Now, if you had to pay in a sp- certain kind of coin or currency, wouldn't they say it's got to be Federal Reserve notes? It don't say Federal Reserve notes. It says cash, money, order, or
3: approved bond. Right. so there's that <laughs> someone has to do the accounting
1: correct he says well yeah somebody has to do the accounting but w- w- what are we talking about doing the accounting on if when we use this thing and claim the birth certificate back this charge back is basically a blank check written to the county so if they got ten dollars on it, they can go to treasury and get ten dollars if they got five hundred million on it. They can go to the Treasury and get their $500 million. Then our entity doesn't owe them anything. Okay? They can't say, we, they, can't say they own us because we didn't pay them off. Got it. Like, like okay, uh, let's, go, let's bring it back to what I know about cars. We're going to go down the car deal and buy a car. They put a lien on the title. As soon as you pay off the car, what happens? They release the lien, and it's your title. Even though we know there's different things going on in the back with the state still owns the title and we don't have the Manufacturer's Certificate of Origin. For all practical purposes, that's our vehicle, okay? And it's contract law. The certificates, that's a little bit of trickery from the state, but, you know, my my proof is that when we're going after the birth certificate, it's a title. And so, they basically, they don't really have a lien on it because they don't say they have a lien on it, but there's money against it. So, once we satisfy that and get that out of the way, that is one of the things that helps change our status. And it's just taking it a different level, deeper, than getting out of the jurisdiction the contract with the IRS and other agencies. Okay.
0: This person also says the state already and always owns the car from the start. Yeah, that's what the
1: MSO unless you can get the MSO, if you get the MSO manufactured shipping right. of origin, they don't own it
0: from the start. And I'll support we that because I, I went to a car dealer here locally, a new car dealer, and uh he showed me the MSOs to the cars and the dealer himself says that when you uh buy the car and you finance it, they have to send the MSO to the state and the state owns the car. Right. So if the right. dealer has the MSO, the state does not own it. So the state does not own it from the start, only right. only when, when it transfers from the dealer to the new person if it's financed, or if they pay cash and you did not ask for the MSO. But if you ask for it, they give it to you.
1: Well, some of them don't even know what you're talking about. I've had that happen. That's true. Because if they got the right floor plan. But let's go back to the Seattle thing because, okay, when we get off the car, okay, the state still owns it. Can't come get it without some kind of reason. And possession is nine tenths of the law. Okay? So their piece of paper isn't as good as our piece of paper. If we get a perfected security interest in the title and the car, they don't have a perfected security interest. They're just holding a piece of paper. That's what Article 9 is about. So I would suggest, and I've never tested this, but I'm sure now that we're getting into this authentication, if I go down and take my title down there and get it notarized, a motor vehicle, and send it to the state and get it authenticated, that's my title. That's just transferred ownership to me, and I've got a superior claim to the title. Now how's that <laughs> you
0: know, even if you don't have the MSO, you go down and get superior title. You're going right.
1: Even if you don't have the MSO, if you go through that authentication process on that car title, you will have superior title to the state. Now that doesn't mean they – and the only reason they're doing that is so they can bundle a million car titles together and sell them into the market and make more money for their darn capper fund.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, hmm.
0: <laughs> Drive that a car 30. without plates and it will be taken from you. Yes, it will be because the cops that take it from you
1: wait, wait, don't wait, No. Nope. Wait. Depends on the state. I can show you people in Arizona, and they don't take the cars these guys – we had one kid out there was like 22, 22, 23, and he had all his right-to-travel papers. He argued with them, argued with them, and now in the town I live in, you'll get a ticket for a, a bad taillight before they pull you over for no um, uh, license plate. So it depends <laughs> on the state and county. Every jurisdiction is different. That's what, I mean, that's you got to remember, UCC is state law. It's not federal law, and this federal government follows the uniform commercial code through the... District of Columbia, okay? They don't follow... There's no federal statute for uniform commercial code. It's state law. And the federal government, because they're located in the District of Columbia, they have to follow it through the D.C. Code. Books 13, 14, and 15 of the D.C. Code are the uniform commercial code as codified in District of Columbia. So every jurisdiction is different, you know?
5: So you're saying it's better to run without plates than... Special customized plates, or anything like
1: that, well they can't give you for driving on su- suspended or revoked or uh unlicensed plate or unregistered plate. All they can get you for is driving without a license and technic- or without a plate, and technically that's not illegal uh-huh. unless okay, you so all tomatoes back and forth to market, then you might have a problem is you're just driving yourself around you have a right to travel and theres Here's- a lot of huh. Go ahead. Somebody was talking up there.
0: Yeah, that was me.
1: Oh. Well there's a lot of right to travel documents people have put together. There are a different places to get
0: it. He but says the stable. UCC is not uniform through the various states. It's a giant steaming pile of shit is what he said.
1: Well he he's right, it. it's
0: not uniform. I, I'll tell him where to put
1: his steaming pile of shit. I appreciate it because we're in a system and we're trying to help and of the waters of this crap, and to have that kind of attitude, thinking negative, and well, he's only hurt himself. It okay, right? It's
0: not. People. It's not uniform through the states. Not all states have, have adopted the same parts of the UCC.
1: That's why I just said it's state law. They're all different. Okay. And all the jurisdictions are different. I already said that. Okay. But it's still if you go, you go look at. It, A lot of them are the same. They change the numbers. They might change one word, but they're basically the same. Okay. 1308 is the same in every state. Now, it may have some different wording on it. He colored a little bit different, but it's basically 1308.
0: Well, I think what he means when he says it's a giant steaming pile of shit is that it's it's
1: convoluted. I believe that's what he was trying to say. Well, you don't need to be talking like that on this site, because I'll tell him not to come back. Because we have to... Wait, wait, wait. I'm gonna, I want to let everybody hear this because we have to navigate these waters. And if we have that kind of negative attitude, you can't get ahead. We've got to think positive and beat them at their own game. And if you're thinking, well, this is just a pile of shit, well, you're stuck in a pile of shit and you're going to stay in a pile of shit. you got to get out of a pile of shit and we've got to be smarter than they are. We've got to learn to read and understand this stuff and kick it right back at them. Okay? That's it.
0: Okay, so... Uh, There's another uh, little uh, conversation. I know. There's there's another conversation here. What does one have to do to get IRS lien released from the county? Can you ask for MSO if you paid for the car with a check a few years ago? Hold it. Oh, so this person says you don't want it released. You want it removed when the IRS files the file a notice of lien. Once the county applies a number to it, it's now a lien. You can't have a license and not have your motor vehicle registered. You have to get rid of the license and the plates. Please ask Coach. Once the remittance package has been sent to the Treasury and IRS properly, how do we get the lien filed at the county, or how do we get it removed from the county?
1: They're starting to sound like this was talking about a car title, and now we're talking IRS. You got me confused.
0: Yeah, it's a little bit
1: of both. Okay, the IRS stuff. You got to let it work its way through the system because you got to wait, and it's looking like four, five, six months after you get the green card back before you can file the paperwork to release the lien. They've got forms that's at 12277 uh, 12, or 12227, I don't remember the exact number, in conjunction with uh, 1450. So, you know, we've got, I've got cases where we just filed a remittance bond and they released it themselves within about a year, okay? So there's no good answer right now on how quick to get those off other than get the remittance packages in, they send you another bill, get another remittance package off as quick as possible as long as it's got a proper coupon, okay? And people got questions about that, and they're part of the system when they get a letter. We can look at the letters and, and help them out with it. Okay. okay. Now we've also...
5: The uh, revocation of election affidavit, does that also take you off the tax rolls and also takes you off the voting rolls also?
1: It's taking stuff <laughs> off at the federal level. It's not necessary. It's not any... We're not filing that with the states.
3: Oh, we've hey, Rick.
1: You've got to go through this at the state level. Do a very a,
4: interesting uh, presentation, uh, so
0: overall. I'll be with you. When it's finished. Okay, I got it. Go ahead.
1: What what was he saying? No, somebody just wasn't muted. So I muted them. Well, yeah, the the thing about getting properly secured and being in these positions where we've got our status is where we've got superior position and when we have to argue with them and prove our point, they don't got anything to stand on contractually. That's how we can come out. Okay? Because we're starting to get evidence of the comptrollers in these states, and the states without a comptroller, it's a little more difficult, and maybe a lot more difficult, because the comptrollers or controllers are also auditors. So they want to make the books balance. Okay, I think that's why the IRS is working with us right now, and we're working with them is because they got to get the books balanced. And it's too far out. We can get these rogue agents out of the way, or vested agents that are just keep entering the debt back in for no reason. Uh, we can get that over that hump. Then we're, we're going to make some huge jumps. Okay. I hope I answered this question. If I didn't, rephrase it and ask it again. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, because well, sometimes I it's.
0: Fun. Okay, okay, I think know, Genevieve uh, has a question.
2: Regarding the revocation of election. Uh huh. Is that only to do with income tax? Because I haven't paid income tax. In years and years, I haven't filed uh tax forms in twenty years
1: right, but then then, what that's going to do even twenty years ago, you had a contract, so you's got a contract hanging out there with them, and okay. this breaks that contract, even though you haven't been using it, you're kind of like constructive non use so by sending this revocation of the election in you're saying, "Look, hey, I'm never volunteering again, and I don't want to be part of your system, <laughs> okay." okay.
5: Right. Yeah. So that just basically gets you off of tax rolls.
1: And... Well, the federal tax rolls it doesn't do the state income tax. Okay. okay. That's a different issue. But what it does do with the the status we're getting, I think it's going to help us pay taxes. It'll. We're already doing it in one or two states, maybe three, and it'll get to be more because the, the, once we know the auditors to pay, if you're in a county or state with without non you need to find out who the auditors are in that county treasurer's office or whatever. Somebody's unmuted there coming in the background. Okay, we got it. But That's because the the people at the camp. And This is why last week we talked about the hold harmless, because once you get the hold harmless, that's another part of the status that allows you to control that entity. Okay, all these all the all we're doing basically or what we're doing is we're putting as much evidence together that we're the holder in due course. We're perfecting our security interest, and oh yeah, here I've got the contract between me and my entity, and the entity's insuring me to work for them as a registered agent. So um, it all works together. Then we have to be able to present it when we use it.
5: Do we need a counter deed, like like certificate of ownership or possession?
1: You know, that states, that may be the thing that helps kick it through. I don't know that that's necessary country nationwide.
3: Okay. Because um,
5: I just I kinda of remember hearing that through Shroud, and that's what he was trying yep. to do and I didn't know if that was um if it applied
1: or not. You know. Well they're they're saying that particularly if you're working with a mortgage you want to get all that in. That um and it may be that it applies to the birth certificate, but um we haven't been doing it and we're having the same success. So you know, there's different levels of all this, and there's different counties. That, that the The area we're having trouble with right now is the states that do not have a comptroller or comptroller because they, they use the two words interchangeably. Okay? Because then you got to get into county auditors, and they think, them county auditors think, oh, well, I'm doing whatever I want because they get to talk to the Treasury. So, you know, we need to have as much stuff with this as we can to, you know, Hey, I'm here to settle this debt.
2: With the uh, revocation of election, that clears us up at the federal level. Right. Wouldn't that kind of trickle down to the state and county as well?
1: Well, it's trickling down into the law you see, and I'm not sure. I don't really know how far it's trick. It should trickle down into the states because once you're out of that corporate jurisdiction, you're out of corporate jurisdiction. So it may just be a matter of where they don't have the controllers going in and arguing at the county level with them and, hey, I'm out of this system. This is, I've done this. I can make them recognize it. When we got a couple of people are having trouble with these property tax issues, and you're not I don't think you'll find it in state law where the states say it has to be paid. This is our official currency. It has to be paid like this unless they're saying it's gold or silver coin. And... That's not even legal tender right now. Right. Not exactly. You know, they, you can get a dollar coin, but it's worth $400, you know? <laughs> so it's really a uh, dollar coin. Uh,
2: it's not worth $400 if you're going to offer it as payment for something. Correct. My bank said, oh, if you give me a, a silver dollar, I will give you a $1 Federal Reserve. note." Yeah.
1: I bet they would.
2: <laughs> yeah, so you bet. go
0: in and you give them a one Federal Reserve note, and I'd like a silver dollar, please.
2: Yeah.
0: And they're supposed to give it to you, but they never will. No. Oh.
1: well, listen, we we need to kind of wind this up. Okay. But that's all the stuff we're talking about on this is why these different things we're doing to help break those contracts and give us evidence when we have to go to talk to these different people. We got our backup. They say, well, what about this? What about this? Because these, these county treasurers and, and property people, they're saying, you've got to give us Federal Reserve notes. That's technically illegal. And at some point, they flip from a public capacity to a private capacity for refusing to take a valid instrument. So there, it goes back to how far you want to push it if you want to sue them or whatever or go after their bond or all that other stuff you can do to get rid of the employee. Because I
2: just want to get rid
1: of them. Period.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't want to sue them. I just want to get rid of
1: them. Well, you know, remember a few years back, the um, Tony King guy that was showing people how to use the twenty-four, twenty-fives, and twenty-six, the bid bond, the payment bond, and performance bond. Yeah. Technically, you sh- technically, you should be able to use that on a traffic ticket, but you got to do three hundred dollars worth of paper to pay a hundred dollar ticket. <laughs> you know. So, and and when that when they were doing that, they really did have some guys get out of federal prison doing that correctly, that they had the guy's status changed and they did that and basically they paid off all the debt and they let the guys go, okay? But um, it's a pretty complicated process, but it's it's another way to settle debt. And and somebody's going to bring this up, so I'm going to bring it up before somebody else. Technically, as U.S. citizens, We're all employees, which is why we can use those bonds. Okay?
2: But we're not U.S. citizens, are we?
1: Not unless you're claiming that status. Yeah. I've got mine set up that if I want to use that part of my status, I can, but I don't use it very often. That's what the whole original secured party thing, when they said that, was the secured party can go in and out of the matrix, so to speak, You can work into the public, you can work in the private, and interface, and you're protected. And it's still that way. It just got a little bit more difficult to prove our security positions. As we upped our game and proving who we were, they got more picky about, well, that doesn't what the UCC says, so that's where we're at this with Article 9, perfecting our security interest in the title, in the birth certificate, and other instruments to prove we have a superior claim so they have to pay attention to us.
3: So basically, is is a counter deed necessary
1: or not? Uh, I think I need to check up. I think that might be a question I better study up on and ask some people about. Because I know with a mortgage, I would do the counter deed. But if the counter deed is the same as issuing a new deed against the birth certificate, it may have some validity.
5: Uh, it's more like the affidavit of ownership, that, you know, you, you have it in your possession, and you are the probably it's
3: Right. Yeah. So, yeah the aff-
5: that would be a good one to throw in there with the rest of them.
1: And- Could be. But I would think the affidavit of ownership and lawful possession does a pretty good job on that, and especially when you do this notice and exchangeability of securities and file with them to any money that's owed against it to break that contract. What do they got? They got a piece of paper. We own it and we prove title. So if that deed helps that, then it may be a good thing.
0: Somebody has a question. Is a setup of a trust with a 98
3: number necessary with this process? The 9,800 EIN series? Well, I have two 98 series for myself.
1: But I have two different trusts, so I don't know that I would use the word necessary, but it may be desirable okay now and here's something about that that if you file online for any of those forty five thirty four ninety eight series numbers, you don't get the number that's equivalent to the number on the back of the social security card. If you mail in the application for all those different kind of numbers. <clears throat> it won't come back with a 99999. It will come back with a number that's the actual Federal Reserve account associated with that 98 series or 45 series or whichever series you're dealing with. So I recommend if Do not file it online. Do the mail-in so you get that account number and you can use that whenever you do your liens against the accounts.
3: Crazy. Hmm? Crazy?
0: crazy that's a lot of <laughs> a lot of convoluted stuff Are you oh, going to uh, display the exchangeability of securities notice
1: Yeah that'll be yeah you know, we get more into this so we'll start getting stuff out to people Yeah you know, cuz we got we got to finish getting the class set up and how we're going to do it and then we'll can start letting people have documents Yeah you know. Okay So that's pretty well it huh
0: Well Will you it's be gonna, doing UCC1 filings with this next process class?
1: I think that's what we're going to do next week. We'll go over 1s and 3s real good. So, okay. everybody so everybody
0: Is that, that part the of the class or everybody. not?
1: <clears throat> it has to be. There's no way to do it without doing that. No, next week. On this call? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because this call is not the class. So the class is right. going to be something separate.
1: Right. But we yeah. can ask questions because those are those are standard questions that no matter what they do and they need to know okay yeah cool
0: <clears throat> all righty well i think it's time to wrap it up
1: oh, one, one last thing one last thing for people who are going to look at forms texas florida new york and i believe california still have state forms so you want to look at the bottom of the form and see if it's an aca form or the national standard or if it's a state form because the state forms do get some some differences in them, okay? So and we'll we I won't be going over state forms. I'll be going over the national form, okay? If you know how to fill
3: out the national form, then you can fill out the state forms. All righty. Thank you
0: so much, both of you.
3: You bet, Thank you, Thank you guys for listening and asking questions.
1: Okay, you guys,
0: we'll see you next week. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye-bye.